Hi, I'm Mark Kent. And I'm Jacob Pusey. And you're listening to the Art and Science of Running podcast. If you climb and you see this latest episode of the Art and Science of Running podcast uh, with myself, Malk. Um, I'll be leading uh, this particular conversation, but um, uh, Jacob will be back in the next episode. He's currently just recording some more material for us uh, in parallel. And um, we know that in this time of um, virus shutdown, um, this kind of material and sharing information this way can be valuable to people. So we're trying to bring as much as we can. I will mention up front in this episode that uh, we did have some microphone issues, specifically with my microphone. Um, so there are periods where I'm talking or asking a question and you will hear a little bit of uh, high-end distortion against my voice. But uh, fortunately, I'm not doing too much talking this episode. So uh, hopefully it's not too bad and doesn't detract from the listening experience. Um, but yeah, this is um, something a bit different to previous episodes that we've been doing. Uh, this time we're going to hear from somebody who... Um, um, had a great um, sort of breakthrough innovation uh, technologically uh, and then has applied that to um, uh, athletic sports, particularly running, and uh, grown the business essentially into something international now that uh, many people have heard of. And in, if you go into certain running stores, you'll actually see the technology, um, which is a foot scanning technology called Volumental. And today we're very lucky to be joined all the way from Stockholm by Alpa, who's one of the original founders and um, and sort of one of the main drivers behind the growth of the company. And um, yeah, uh, so welcome Alpa. And I really want to um, uh, kick off by um, by asking you sort of, you know, where did this all begin? Uh, if we go back to the start of the journey, you know, um, what was the sort of original trigger to, um, to kicking off uh, what later became uh, Volumental? Yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, as, as you said, we sort of, it's been quite a journey when you sort of, you were going to, through the question, I was thinking about all the past years in a short span of like seconds, but, uh, yeah, I, I went through that journey. My background is in, um, technology. Um, so I like studied computer vision and, uh, robotics um basically sort of working on artificial intelligence what is called today artificial intelligence anyways um and um i sort of wanted to make like robots see i guess is or computers see is sort of the shortest explanation of that um and so i studied in, here in stockholm and then afterwards i worked at uh, nasa in los angeles so there i worked on several like different projects but one of them um, uh, was about 3D scanning on mobile phones. Um, so that was quite exciting. And um, 
and uh, it's quite a, it was quite an interesting, unique kind of experience. So we were at this um, uh, Google's advanced research lab where um, you, you, the idea is that you ideate projects for two years and either it pans out or it doesn't. So this was one of those projects and the goal was to um, build a 3D scanning mobile phone. Um, and um, right now that's actually part of the, the core technology is part of every Android device that's out there as augmented reality. Um, so, but even before then, <clears throat> um, I was sort of, I guess, feeling a bit like industrious and so on. And um, we had this, launched this, um, project called uh, based on depth cameras, uh, which is a type of like special camera that collects depth information, like geometric information rather than um, like uh, regular cameras, which collect just like color information. Um, and one property of these artificial intelligence algorithms is that you need a lot of data to like train them to do the right thing. So I was a, like a PhD student uh, trying to get by and um, I thought to myself, what if I like built a website that lets anyone 3D scan anything? And hopefully that's useful or even fun to some people. And uh, through that, I will like get some data also and, and do it that way. And to our surprise, um, when I got together with my like, co-founders, launched it, it got hugely popular. Um, so we were sort of on mainstream media. All of a sudden I found like all these um, interview requests and so on. And later on, I was these, um, this was also, I think the peak of 3D like printing hype. Um, and I think timing is, is very, very important when it comes to these things or being like lucky, uh, um, which is sometimes is not like very talked about. But um, so then we started getting these um, requests from 3D printing companies and that made us kind of think that, oh, maybe we should like do something with this. And when thinking about it um, and also asking around and asking lots of people in many different industries, we found out that um, the people really like to scan themselves. <laughs> I think maybe this is this isn't uh, a revelation, but like the first thing when anyone finds a camera is turn it to themselves. <laughs> um, so we started getting like a lot of people scanning themselves, that kind of like data, and we thought, hey, this is interesting. Maybe we can build something useful for these people. Um, and so that's how we like started in our journey and footwear and uh, scanning feet and connecting that to um, uh, like um, shoes and, and especially in running was also something we, we thought was quite fun because it's, I mean, it's about like moving, being healthy and, and so on. Um, so that was, um, that was interesting. Um, so we set out to like build a, um, Mainly, we, we are actually, uh, we started out as a software company, not necessarily building like hardware and so on. But then we quickly realized that there is really no good like scanner out there that can do this at, at scale. Uh, um, and by this, I mean, um, just about scan anybody in a matter of seconds accurately and provide 
uh, insight, interesting um, measurements, and like product insights through that. The existing solutions were kind of like they did like one foot at a time, and you you know each one took thirty seconds, and you need to cover it with a blanket and so on and so forth. So we set out to like um, build a better version of this, and we really had no clue if whether we could even. Um, we based it on the technology that I, uh, as I mentioned, on these like depth cameras, uh, which is the sort of similar technology that is on iPhones uh, face ID uh, thing. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you yeah. know that, but uh, at the time when um, I was working on these things, um, this is back in 2000, I think 14, maybe um, we, we basically like built several prototypes, um, tablets and so on. And then Apple one day just bought the company, the, the camera provider, um, <laughs> and sort of pulled the rug under us. And then um, it took them like this long to bring it to the market, right, sort of yeah. like six, five years. So since then, it's almost like an internal uh, inside joke at Volumental, at that company. <laughs> it's like every year this thing is coming to the to the iPhone <laughs> and it, it kind of never happens. <laughs> um, so I got sort of, uh, I think my team members got a pretty good chuckle out of that because sort of I was the one like saying, yeah, they're going to do something with it. Like this year it's going to happen and it never happened. <laughs> so, so much for my like tech uh, visionary <laughs> um, foresight there. But uh, yeah, so we built that scanner and it, we, we really sort of managed to build something that is um, that scans someone within uh, like four seconds and it's accurate and, and um, it's like um, based on a, a great uh, simple user experience, the user interface. You just like step on it and press a button. That's it. No other thing yeah. needed. Yeah. And um, with that, so far right now, we are in uh, about 2,000 stores around the world and have scanned wow. uh, 6 million feet. Um, and many, wow. many of them are runners uh, yeah. around the world. So yeah, it's been fun. Wow, wow, wow. I mean, um, so really what you're saying, so you did, like we've talked to people before and you know, often we, when we challenge people, they're just like hardcore runners from day one. And you've got a different story because um, from what I, what I understand, you didn't actually think about going to, to runners with this. This this was something something completely open, and then it, you've organically sort of gone down that path where the market has wanted it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, we sort of like followed like the path of how can this be useful to whom can this be useful, um, and we found a very happy place. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I find that really interesting because you know a lot of this um, uh, sort of talk out there. You know, you can you can YouTube it and stuff like that. People love to talk at the moment, you know, about like how to make business successful. And um, people always uh, sort of almost cliche. They talk about you know, um, be careful not to design the product that you like, but you know, have a product that that is built to solve a problem that the market has. And you're pretty, you guys are pretty much like the the case study, like the perfect example of how to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Mm -hmm. to respond to the market yeah we we looked i mean we certainly had our like um like we tried very different things um with this and um we kind of like settled on this um this current user experience user interface 
like I mentioned, I think uh, it, it wasn't like certain we were going to make it. Like we we're going to meet, build, mm. it will be able to build such a thing with the, with these sensors, with these cameras, because these ca sensors are not made for this. Mm -hmm. um, they're made for like unlocking your phone with your face or something. I mean, that's not exactly true, but like rough mm -hmm. order of magnitude. And then we had to build a lot of um, computer vision and artificial like intelligence smarts into it to make it work. So that's how mm -hmm. it is in, in like, in general, as a rule of thumb, you can always think about this trade-off. You either have like complex, expensive, hard to operate machinery and then simple software or mm -hmm. um, uh, consumer electronics, cheap, easy to make, easy to like use hardware and then a complex software on top of that yeah and so like like touching on that point like um was that you know having come from sort of a phd background i've chatted with people in the past who, who don't really want to kind of like dumb down their knowledge and dumb down their product mm -hmm. but of course to get it to get it in the hands of like twelve thousand stores and for people to understand it you, you you had to sort of go through that process of like simplifying some stuff and making it usable was mm -hmm. that something it was easy for you guys or were you kind of like oh we don't really want to make this simple <laughs> <It works laughs> um i think for us in the team it was sort of a no choice kind of thing it was like mm -hmm. we have to make this a single button click otherwise uh, nobody will use it and thus it doesn't matter if it if we build something that is complex to use and like and it works like that doesn't that's almost equal to not doing anything because it's not gonna right. like scale anyways. Um, so that's how we approach. I think that has become sort of um, a theme in the company. Like now, whenever we do a new thing, we always start from the experience. And then mm -hmm. we sort of consult with our teams internally um, with other like computer vision people and so on, machine learning people. Um, is the technology there kind of? To, to satisfy this user experience and what do we need to do to get there? And then the often the answer is we don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> like it's not um, it's not a straightforward answer. And that's when you know I think you're at the tip of what's possible, which is great. That's mm -hmm. where like the action happens. Um, so if you're if you mm -hmm. manage to sort of like be at that boundary and then manage to push it a little bit further before anyone else, then like you have some something um so that's how we that's how we approach our, our products yeah. and uh just to, just to, i'm going to take you back a little bit to um to when you first were at that point of just kind of open source and releasing the information i mean so many people nowadays like they have an idea or they maybe even start to develop the idea and this whole concept of ip just like appears right and then and they're like Oh, you know, the, the last thing you want to do is like give anything away. Like maybe someone else is going to capitalize on my idea. Mm -hmm. But and, but you were you were totally fine with that um, to put to put that information out there. Um, mm -hmm. Was that a difficult decision or was that an easy decision? Um, I it was an easy decision. I think my, like my stance in general on that is, of course, there are like ex exceptional cases, but the idea itself is like maybe five percent maybe if we are generous the rest mm -hmm. is is like execution the, re the rest is like having um grit having the perseverance 
um, mm -hmm. just like showing up day after day and iterating on the idea. And it's pretty much a given that whatever idea you have now to start with, uh, if you roll the tape forwards three years, whatever, a year, five years down the line, and in the case that you're successful, you will be doing something else. Like not you won't you won't be doing the same exact idea. Like 100%, in my opinion. Um, yeah. So the so idea, the way I see that is, is just the cattle. It's just the seed. It's the start. Mm -hmm. And um, if you just sort of pro try to protect that, um, mm -hmm. it's sort of like protecting a, a, a your child, which who never gets into the adulthood or something. Like it mm -hmm. needs to sort of expose it to the elements <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. and it's not gonna work like it's it's i i mean there's a very high chance that it's the first idea you have just try to talk to someone and try to make them pay money for it like that's mm -hmm. hard <laughs> uh, yeah yeah uh, yeah, yeah I, I, that's i mean that's a really profound like really um really progressive kind of view like to um to not immediately want to protect everything that you've thought of but to, to have that under, that awareness that um, other people can also think of an idea as well and also come up with something similar as well. But it's going to be this like long journey of like who stays the course and who actually like sticks with it, right? Mm -hmm. um, that's, uh, yeah, there's, um, there's so many people uh, <laughs> who, who probably like when they're in the thick of it, it's really difficult for them to conceptualize that, but it's really cool to hear that. Um, so uh, for the guys listening, um, we haven't yet sort of like explained um, sort of what the technology looks like and, and what it what it might appear to be physically. I mean, I know I've, I've been in some stores and and had some interactions where I've seen and um, for example, like New Balance in Canada um, went into uh, uh, some sport check stores, for example, in Canada, and and Volumental is one of the products that's in there as part of the shoe fit service. So, can you explain um, if if you imagine sort of uh, myself or one of the customers has walked into the store, what, what would they actually see and what would they actually do? Sure. Um, so maybe I'll, I'll explain it a bit broader and then get into that. Um, so we like essentially we are um, we are volumental and what we do is we use three D data and AI to like help people find the perfect fit. Um, and we essentially do this by creating personalized and immersive like experiences for for people um so when a customer today walks into a store um you sort of get step onto the scanner uh, you take off your shoes you kind of a little bit roll up your pant legs and you step onto onto this small like platformish thing and mm -hmm. the store associate there the outfitter is equipped with an ipad um and they just press a button on that iPad that says scan. And you see this um, progress bar um, on the scanner, on the like hardware where you're standing on, uh, which takes like four seconds. So you stand still for four seconds. Um, and afterwards, you get a full 3D scan of both of your feet. Um, and along with that, you get some 12 measurements, and some of those are um, compared to the population. So, for instance, you can see uh -huh. how your how your left and right arch height uh, differs from each other, and how it compares to the to the population. 
And then um, that's the sort of the scan part. Um, then we have the product recommendations part where you um, see shoes um, listed and ranked based on fit and based on your uh, foot characteristics. Um, and that's all based on um, data. That's all based on all like millions of people getting scanned and like purchasing footwear and, and matching that. Okay, yeah. And how does that, um, how would that work in an individual store? Because I guess each store has their own models of shoe, right? So it, is that matched up somehow, yeah? Yeah, yeah, it, it is matched. One, one part is that you, we also, if you enter your email address, we also send the scan to you since it's your scan, right? Like it's your data, it's your like body scan. And then you can take that scan and do, take it anywhere essentially. Um, so like a lot of our customers are doing that also. We see that like they, you know, they open open it and then they like access it again and again and, and use it in, in other areas as well. Um, you're, you asked about like, how does a store associate um, work with it or? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. Yeah, in yeah. terms of like, uh, yeah, like in terms of whether it's a small store or a big store and some stores have a lot of different models of shoes and then some stores just have a few and, and how they how the assistant would work with that, yeah. Yeah, so we have like a um, um, pretty extensive catalog already of product catalog. Um, and it's it's being sort of like updated constantly. Um, so if you happen to have like a, a large overlap with our product catalog, then we just you can just get this out of the gate, essentially this whole thing. Um, if you like happen to have um, shoes that we don't have in our in our system, then we have a pretty easy onboarding um, process to onboard those those shoes into into the system um, but different people i think use it differently so it's really uh, depends on your like use case in your um uh like journey customer journey in the store um and we have a team that helps you like guide that through that like get the best out of the product whatever you're you may be willing to get out of it um essentially and as i said sort of this data is then um, available um, to you digitally as well. So you can like access it, you can um, choose to like have us delete it if you want um, as a, as a, like a, the, the store, uh, same thing with them, they can access it and so on. So um, that's how the, <clears throat> that's also how we see the future of like retail and mm -hmm. this, this kind of thing going forwards. Um, because I think we won't, I mean, at some point we like, we have to, um, improve on this, right? We can't just like do the same thing for a hundred years straight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, um, okay. So I'm building up the sort of visual picture of like what happens in the store. And so I guess the concept is, um, is that it's some sort of a match. So depending on the person's three-dimensional foot shape, maybe they mm -hmm. have a high arch, low arch. Mm -hmm. um, then there's some, um, there's some sort of a match to a, to a shoe that, that, that sort of deals with that or, or kind of caters with that. So you, you kind of categorize the shoes in the, in a database by, by their sort of internal shape. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. 
so that's actually something it's one of my favorite things to talk about um <laughs> so like what happens is that you like you have a shoe right and then what mm-hmm. what we have is that there are thousands and tens of thousands of feet that bought that shoe right uh, in that size um and so and we have like designed and crafted algorithms that then looks at all these different feet and comes up with what we call sort of an, a ghost feet for that shoe an ai feet ah, okay. like each shoe has this like uh, latent uh, ghost feet that is the mm-hmm. wearer of this for this shoe um and um and that's really um kind of like when we scan you we compare your shape to all these like uh, ai feet per shoe right, that we okay. have and then we can we can tell actually okay well you know in this style people with narrow heels and uh low instep is has like mainly preferred this one and you have uh-huh. you have a low instep and maybe you have wide heels but we'll still show you that and we'll also be transparent and say that you have you have a good match to this because you have a low instep but you also mm-hmm. have uh, wide heels um which is maybe a moderate match to this shoe. So right. it's all like data-based, yeah. which is what I like about it. Yeah. Um, so it's not like based on some, I don't know, hocus pocus like yeah. thing behind it. Um, yeah. So really interesting because my, my, my mind immediately, and I don't know, maybe people listening the same, I'm really interested by, um, by what you see in people's feet <laughs> shapes and um, <laughs> Obviously, you've looked. You must have looked through a lot of data yourself. Um, you know, just in 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 sort of testing and refining, and, and then real life, real world data too. Um, can you ta- can you kind of give us some insight? I mean, um, in terms of like how how extreme can in terms of differences in shape and, and things, how how extreme can people's feet get? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it can. <laughs> it's, uh, it's it's quite interesting. We had um, we have a, a, my colleague um, Alesh, who has been leading um, uh, the head of uh, footwear research actually at like at Alpina, one of the like biggest ski boot brands, and and so on. He's sort of crazy about feet and thinking about like shape and and um, and recommendations and products and so on he has like eight patents to his name on footwear designs and whatnot oh wow um and uh, he just like published recently an article on uh, the nature uh magazine scientific magazine on um analyzing 1.2 million foot scans from north, wow. Amer- <laughs> north america europe and asia uh, and it's all, it's by the way, this is open access. So you can like Google it. Uh, if you just wow. Google like analysis of 1.2 million foot scans, something like that, it could come <laughs> up. Um, and uh, the, the, the lots of results are in there. So it's, I guess it's like too much to go through like all of it. But yeah. um, one thing that's interesting is that, for instance, um, if you look at like clusters, geographic clusters, um, mm-hmm. Like Asian feet is a lot like on average seems to be wider than um, uh, North American or like European feet. Um, oh. So mm-hmm. that's like quite interesting, and um, and I think that uh, like the brands don't they I mean we could do a better sure. job in taking account such things. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, and then it's also about um, like different people who prefer the same size in the same shoe can have mm. very like different um, uh, measurements actually. So you look oh. at like the same length um, in in length, uh, like same same number, same measurement, but then you look at all the other characteristics of the foot, and it's just a crazy amount of variation. So just size, wow. size alone is is really not like um, uh, like sufficient. Right. Okay. Okay. So then, um, so I guess the, the the understanding then is there must be quite a few people out there that are kind of squeezing their feet in, <laughs> into yes. into the wrong shape shoe or have like you know too much space in the shoe that that kind of stuff must be happening just routinely all the time yeah yeah absolutely i mean i'm one of those people slightly also and we have others in, in the company i think what happens usually is that just from experience if you're like if you have a wide foot then you have no choice but to go up one size mm-hmm. um which is then like that shoe becomes too actually long for you you know what mm-hmm. what else are you gonna do some brands offer yeah, like yeah. different widths of course so that helps um <clears throat> so that's really good but also i think um another thing about this is that um when new products come into the market some like often there is a um what we call like fit testers who uh-huh. are like okay. trying the new shoe that's about to come to the market uh, and the decisions are based on like these fit testers, kind of like. Um, but what we have been able to also see is that sometimes, often, these fit testers are not good representatives of the population in general. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so that's, I think, pretty like interesting. And I, I, I find that quite like exciting because then we can have a broad impact in the industry by just like trying to um, cover more of the population with with the footwear designs. Yeah, yeah. And what about, I'm really intrigued in this, as you can tell. Um, what about, do you see anything interesting about gender differences at all? I mean, people always sort of talk about the idea, you know, women, women's foot shape different to a man's. And do you, do you see that sort of confirmed in the data that you guys have collected as well? Yeah, I think, uh, I think we do, yes. Um, we we see that in the data, um, the sort of the the male. Um, I mean, the the average male foot length is like more than the average length uh, female. Um, so yeah, definitely. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. It's really really interesting stuff. Um, <laughs> and just like knocks all the conventional things that we ever think about, you know. And I mean, I, I remember back to times when I worked in the clinic and. You know, before doing any kind of like uh, biomechanics work, you know, you, you'd measure basic stuff ar- about the body, and um, and I'd measure foot yeah. length, and uh, you know, sort of like maybe half the people had the same length feet, and then half the people had one foot was a little bit bigger than the other, and um, mm-hmm. and yeah, they were either like squashing one side in, or they had like uh, the other side of just have a huge shoe on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. That's true. You, that's a very good point. The the like left and right feet is often also different um so yeah 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 so then um i'm, I'm sort of intrigued in, in in the workflow um because do you guys get involved in in anything beyond that like um 
to do with sort of uh, orthotics prescription or even to do with 3D printing of shoes? Is that some an area you kind of get into at all? Mm -hmm. um, we don't like 3D print things ourselves, but what we do is we we partner. We have many partners who are in the like in the business of 3D printing um, inserts or um, like entire shoes. So. Um, we work mm -hmm. with them. I think we we kind of like say that we take we what we do best is software and hardware and like machine learning and so on, and like nailing that um, like user facing part of the journey. And then we um, if the if the customer if the shopper like agrees to it, then um, we like partner up with um, different companies and share data with them that particular data that the, the shopper has like consented so that a custom uh, product can be made so we have several mm -hmm. partners um, it's kind of you can think of a platform sort of that we, we are a platform where people come in and where the data gets generated and then mm -hmm. different manufacturers kind of tap into our pro platform um, uh, to like build and do what they do best which is sort of um, making footwear. Gotcha, gotcha, yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna kind of pivot a little bit into um, into more kind of futuristic. And um, mm -hmm. is this, uh, and, and you can you can answer or not answer, you know, if there's anything that's kind of like secret, whatever, it's totally fine. Um, but, um, but what we've described so far has been um, the sort of physical process in the brick and mortar store. You know, people go in and they, and they physically do this stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm sort of interested, and maybe maybe I'm a little bit behind the curve. Maybe this is already happening um, on a larger scale. Um, but where there's this kind of, um, uh, I don't know, maybe sort of a tre trend or move towards sort of people doing things themselves, is it possible, is it already possible that they you can use a, a phone camera at home and do the same thing mm -hmm. without going? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a very good question. Um, many people have tried that. And not like, and I had, like, we have tried that way back also. And when I mean we, I mean like the general we, I don't mean like Boyle Mantle. Um, mm -hmm. But um, so far, I think there's nothing that really works well. Um, let's even, like, let's be specific to footwear, right? Like scanning feet. Um, mm. even there, I think uh, I, in my, in my phone, there's like a grouping of apps that I call the, the scanning graveyard. Uh, <laughs> it's all the, maybe I think I have by now, like a sizable, nice collection, uh, like a vintage collection of apps, um, <laughs> that you can't get anywhere because they're, some of them are pulled from the app store. So it's like a unique <laughs> collection, um, <laughs> where um, the, the experience is not so great. So what I mean by that is they kind of like ask you to, for instance, step on and find an A4 paper and step on it. And, right. Um, I don't know about you, but when I do that, it's kind of like sticks to my feet. The paper doesn't <laughs> stay. <laughs> the paper gets sort of wavy. It messes up the, the measurements and so on and so forth. It's just like... It's not this <laughs> this experience that just like works. Um, so so far, like nobody really has, I think, figured out how to do it well, mm -hmm. in my opinion. Um, yeah. And um, and we we are working on it. 
Uh, we're working on it at Remantle quite intensely. As I mentioned, since due to my background, we've been saying that every year it's going to happen. It's, gonna, <laughs> it's coming to the iPhone. Um, and, uh, but, and so it was sort of a fair question uh, within our circles. Like, why are you guys not doing this? You know, like you, mm, okay, you yeah. build the scanner, people can go to the store and blah, blah, blah. But like, why don't you build the, the mobile scanning thing? Um, and the answer for that was that we didn't think the technology was there enough to uh, make okay. to make the user experience that we want. And the, the user experience uh, yeah. that we want is you shouldn't need any uh, reference objects or like papers or whatnot. You should mm -hmm. just it should just be as simple as taking a portrait photo of like your mm -hmm. boyfriend or girlfriend or something. Like it should be really really simple. Yeah. Like making an Instagram story or something like that. Yeah. Um, so maybe, and, yeah. maybe in the future it's like uh, it's like when the iPhone 15 comes, then maybe it's. <laughs> yeah, but so the thing is that we are actually now working on it because we do think that the technology is like there now, um, ah, okay. like yeah. aug augmented reality, virtual reality um, advances, and also uh, the way we're building this is that um, we're. Um, basing it off on the millions of scans that we have. So we, we are yeah. able to like train smarter and smarter algorithms mm -hmm. um, that, um, that delivers that simple user experience. And yeah. our goal is to launch a mobile scanning uh, app in this year, 2020. So we're like oh, intens wow. yeah. intensely working on it uh, right now, essentially. Uh, it's yeah. quite exciting. I, 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 I think that's sort of, um, sort of the the final like thing that completes the circle. Anna. Um, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, on on that, so I'm going to pull on one thing there because um, most of the people that will listen obviously um, that don't have a background with um, with data sciences or uh, or with technology, and um, so you've mentioned a couple of times like the um, the idea of um, of, of of training like AI algorithms on, on a data set. Mm -hmm. um, so, so if we go back like one step, mm -hmm. um, two terms that people have probably heard, probably hear all the time, like thrown around, well, certainly AI for sure. You know, everybody hears that term thrown around. Mm -hmm. And then as a, as, a pre, as a sort of previous scientist, applied physicist myself in the past, like um, uh, machine learning you know, used to be sort of a, mm -hmm. a more common term in the past. Um, are you able to, like, in in a few minutes, sort of um, describe to the people listening, you know, um, machine learning and, and AI at a very simple level, and, and what the difference is, and why 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 this process is important? Sure. Um, so AI, I think, is a broader term compared to like machine learning. That sort of spans the set of methods, tools, algorithms that um, like that generate some sort of intelligent behavior. In, in, in any like computer system. Um, so, and then machine learning is, as the name suggests, it's sort of um, based on um, uh, learning from data. So it's think of it like teaching something to a kid, to a small mm -hmm. child, you sort of like show it once and then you mm -hmm. show what not to do. And then you show again what to do and you can repeat that process a couple of times mm -hmm until the, the, that person gets it. Um, mm -hmm. So the, the practice of machine learning is, 
building algorithms that um, learn from data. It's almost like it's um, looking at a lot of examples and then figuring out what to do versus um, the broader AI term also includes other types of algorithms that directly solves the problem without needing any examples. Um, oh, okay. So for instance, if the, if, um, the task is to uh, separate um, red balls from blue balls in some sort of like toy example setting, you can actually mm -hmm. go ahead and exactly implement the algorithm. You don't have to like teach a lot of examples and show a, a lot of examples. You can just say, whenever you see red, it's this. Whenever you see blue, it's that, done. That's sort of like in this toy ideal world, that gets the job done. However, many real world tasks are a lot more complex. So okay. you, you cannot sort of like define all the sets of rules because mm -hmm. there are like millions and millions of rules you would need to come up with. Um, mm -hmm. And that's just not possible. So instead you kind of show a lot of examples and let the, let the computer figure out uh, the rules by itself, which it can do a lot faster than anyone, any single person can like type. Uh, okay, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, and then that's that's basically AI as you as you use it, yeah. Yeah, so that's like the machine learning side, and that's as okay. in this age of like internet and um, the like digitalization, um, mm -hmm. the techniques that are limited to these handcrafted rule-based um, like algorithms is isn't enough. It's not, it's just, so imagine like you're trying to build a, an algorithm that uh, speaks English, right? Mm -hmm. It's just yeah. like, there are millions and millions of like rules and small gotchas and this mm -hmm. and that. Um, you can't yeah. just do that. Uh, you Like there's no single team or person that can sit down and type that in. Um, yeah. Instead, we kind of like build an algorithm that can read millions billions of documents and figure out like the rules from that right so that's why this yeah. machine learning yeah. thing is much more effective um right yeah. gotcha and um, when you talk about like um you know feeding the the system <laughs> feeding the the mm -hmm. uh, the um the, the the process of the computer um as a certain amount of data like in the case of something like I don't know. Um, you can choose the example, but how, how much kind of data are we talking? Are we talking about like uh, when does it when does it become useful? Is it when you get like a thousand pieces of data or a million or like is there any kind of like a kind of amount of data you have to have before you start getting meaningful um, results? Or? Yeah, I mean that that really depends on the application and like the oh, the, com okay. the complexity of the thing that you're like trying to do. Um, Often, like a few hundred is, I mean, it's really hard to say anything generic, but oh, often, sure. like um, a few hundred is typically not enough. Uh, you, you like the more the better is the mantra, uh, always. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, and I guess looping it back to the beginning, that was sort of my um, reasoning for launching a website in the very beginning. Mm -hmm. um, so right. like so that people can like get some value out of the the tool hopefully it helps them in whatever they're trying to achieve and um, in return i get the data and i improve mm -hmm. my algorithms 
which is sort of this right. like loop thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, often it's uh, think of it like this: um, you kind of have like these um, like buttons, dials that you like can turn, right? Mm -hmm. And an algorithm is essentially a set of dials, and you need to sort yeah. of like tune each dial precisely to get the output that you need. Um, and the more dials you have, the more data you're going to need to like um, find the right. the right configuration for all the dials. And then like training an algorithm is essentially just saying sort of show an example and then have the algorithm go give an answer. Um, so let's say, is there a cat in this image or not? Uh, mm -hmm. And then you show an image with a cat in it. And then the algorithm says, I see no cat in this image. <laughs> and then um, you tell to the algorithm kind of like, you got it wrong. So now you need to like adjust your dials. Um, and it and it adjusts it a little bit. And then you show another example. And then mm -hmm. you just repeat that process. Um, you, weren't, it, uh, you weren't the guy behind the, uh, the, tra the traffic lights and the Google authentication, right? <laughs> Yeah, exactly, exactly. That was, uh, I think many people are very salty about that still. <laughs> I still get those wrong. I still miss one sometimes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm sorry to inform that you may be a robot then. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm interested to get your kind of take um, on something a bit more kind of as I say, futuristic, abstract, um, and obviously this won't be necessarily rooted in so much kind of hard evidence or whatever. Um, there's a lot of talk around, obviously, the future of, of brick and mortar uh, shoe stores, mm -hmm. and um, and clearly, um, you know, there's there's a there's a very obvious agenda for the shoe manufacturers to go straight to the consumer, um, mm -hmm. and uh, and sell shoes that way. Um, I wonder, I mean, clearly it's an area that you guys are involved with directly. You know, you're, you're kind of plugged into this. Um, what, what are your thoughts on it? Just like, um, you know, just, just kind of candid, just off the top of your head. I mean, um, just one person to another. What, what are your thoughts on, on brick and mortar stores? And can they really stick around in the future? Can they really survive? Or, or are we going to all eventually just do everything through the phone? I'm actually one of those people who are not in the camp of like, um, like the doomsday scenarios for brick and mortar and so on. Um, I do think that people will still value going to a place and talking to actual human beings. I mean, we are all mm -hmm. seeing that throughout this like episode that we're in. Uh, yeah. I, for myself, can't wait to like get out and talk to as many people as, <laughs> as I can, um, even though I'm, I'm an introvert. Um, so like... Um, so I think in the future, brick and mortar will still be around, but um, I think the level of which it like be around uh, is dependent dependent on the experience that it provides. Mm -hmm. In my opinion, um, I think that like often what I like to like think about this is that so far as a as a as a collectively, um, we have figured out how to do like buy things online. So you can mm -hmm. like pay for things online today. It's like after 20 years, it's somewhat smooth now. This is mm. what we have achieved yeah. as a human species kind. And then also you can like get the things that you just paid for, which is like mm -hmm. what Amazon does or all these like delivery options. 
Um, but that's really the basics of um, like commerce. Mm -hmm. um, so you like pay for the thing and you get the thing. Um, but you, if you want to like shop, you can't do that still like online. You still have to like hit go to the hit the street. You need to like touch things. You need to talk to someone. You need to like try it. You need to understand how it fits on you and so on. Um, mm -hmm. So I think that's like we've figured out this like basic need, the basic like pyramid level of commerce online in the digital form. And if you as a, as a brick and mortar um, uh, operator, if you pro if what you do is basically that, like you 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 know you you kind of like take someone's money and give them a box, then mm -hmm. I think you are then competing with like all these mega like websites, and that's mm -hmm. not a easy like fight. Um, uh, but if you can like provide an experience on top of that, a reason to get to the store or a reason to like go there and even more so uh, create loyalty um, mm -hmm. right like yeah I've been there they know about me they know about like what what I'm like what I what I like and what my shape is and what my mm -hmm. like things are that becomes that's where you go kind of and if you go on like just one word about like if you're worried about Amazon and so on um, if you go on Amazon and, uh, and check it out, they sell shoes the same well, the same way they sell refrigerators. Right. right? Like it's the same product page, <laughs> which is which is kind of crazy, um, right? So if you, like, there's no differentiation. You kind of like, yeah, that's a picture. There's a description. This is the price. This is when you get you can get it delivered. And which is fair enough. I mean, that is a very hard thing to do, right? Um, but um, if that's what you do also in the physical store, um, then there's no, like, you need to do something more. You need to do something better. And the good news is that um, is just that, right? Like today online, you buy a, a fridge the same way you buy a shoe, which is like, makes no sense. But that's mm -hmm. like, um, and it's hard to improve on that. We are one of the people kind of like helping with that, but we are coming from the brick and mortar uh, side and so on. Um, and um, so that's good news because then this, this is an easy bar to beat in my right. opinion. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like if you, if you deliver a, an experience that goes beyond that um, and maybe much more beyond that, hopefully, um mm -hmm. then then you can then i think those are the stores that will be around um yeah yeah interesting really interesting and and you guys are really as far as i can see it anyway you guys are absolutely in the key position because from my experience what i've seen the the fit of getting the fit of the shoe is the key part of it because i guess you may be seeing the same thing sometimes people just love a certain model of shoe and they just go and they're just like i'm going to buy like three more or four more pairs of that model of shoe because that's my model of shoe and it works kind of thing and mm -hmm. um but to get to that point they have to have done you know some kind of like fitting process to know that that is the right size in that model in that manufacturer and so it really seems like whatever you know, anybody's going to do whether it's the 
whether it's the physical stores or whether it's the direct to consumer, like you guys are really going to be at the the key kind of point, the key axis in that process, as far as I can see anyway, yeah. Mm, yeah, I hope so. I think like my vision and our vision for this is that in the future, every like transaction in the footwear industry will involve some sort of foot data in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like, it's, it's, I think it's only logical that it does. Like it's, it's pretty crazy. I mean, we should solve this size issue for starters. Like we will be, mm-hmm. we're talking about soon sending people to Mars and so on. And, <laughs> you know, like we should, we should um, put this problem behind us and, and like solve it and not worry about size and fit. Um, and we have the technology to do it. So like, so I, yeah. like I said, that's my, like, that's our vision. Like every, every transaction, every kind of like purchase and experience hopefully will involve something specific to your own shape, your own foot shape. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so the, the final thing I was just going to kind of follow that on with um, was again, futuristic. Um, I don't know if you're somebody that, that looks ahead. I'm not sure you can tell me if you're someone that sort of looks and plans a long way a distance, but, but I wonder whether even in the future, whether you already have developed visions of going beyond uh, footwear or even using the technology to spin into other areas. Do you, have you always sort of created a future vision or do you just sort of work right now? Um, I, I mean, we certainly like, I have like, discussed that in various forms where, where uh, lots of beer may or may be involved or may not be, <laughs> be involved um, but I'm a, and yes I mean it's a kind of a straightforward like extension to do with other parts of the body and, and so on and so forth and I do think that there's a lot of overlap between what we do and and that but mm-hmm. I am a big believer I guess this is a bit of a like going through the this whole journey um, I'm a big believer in like lots of small ideas executed really well than like big ideas. I'm I, I'm not a like a big idea person. I think it's kind of like you yeah you execute every day, and that's how you get to the big ideas. Um, so right now we're like um, laser focused on footwear and mm-hmm. getting this right, and I think the key to whatever lies ahead any of these possibilities um passes through getting this right mm-hmm. um also but what i said about like um foot data being part of every transaction i think that's it's like one can generalize that pretty easily and sort of what like one can say is that everything that you wear on your body will be customized to fit you and like serve you um, mm. and body data and, and beyond just like scan, it's also about like how you move. So it's the dynamics, which mm-hmm. we haven't like maybe gotten into so much, um, yeah. is, uh, is very important there. And I do think that in the future, we will see a lot more of, that in various forms, whether it's like choosing apparel and footwear and so on, or like mm-hmm. during like just training, um, like getting insights about that and, and so on. Yeah. Um, and I think it's going to take like a good amount of this like advances in 
machine learning, but also a good amount of bringing in uh, designers, creatives into the mix so that mm -hmm. we can like build these very tasteful um, experiences, uh, not just yeah. like tech for the sake of tech, but yeah. Right. Yeah, which of course has been <laughs> has been a problem that has, that has definitely hit certain tech areas in the past, of course, and just overloading the end consumer with with data and um, and then of course trying to figure out like what how does that um, how does the end user consume it and, and make use of it and yeah mm -hmm. for sure yeah 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 really interesting mm -hmm. uh, um, I was going to finish with one more question um, uh, from from my mm -hmm. side and. Um, this is not so much, we have a, a, a running listener base, um, but I can't, I really like this podcast because it's not like our usual podcast. We haven't just talked about running for like what, one hour straight, which is fantastic. <laughs> and um, so it really gives people something different and refreshing to listen to. Um, and so I was, my final question was just going to be, you know, coming right back to the start of the conversation, um, you've been through this whole process from sort of conceptualizing an idea through to, you know, a successful company. And, do you have any sort of um, uh, piece of advice, you know, like even one, two, three sort of pieces of advice, or maybe it's just just, just one particular nugget of advice, like something you've you've really learned and um, has become really sort of important to you that you learned through that process of, of starting a company, building a company, um, in terms of sort of making it successful? Mm, um, yeah, it's a, it's a hard question. Um, <laughs> I... Um, I would say I think I learned to value simplicity quite a lot through this. Um, I think simple is um, much, much, much kind of like it has, it has multiplicative effects down the line. Like simple is easy to communicate, easy to build, easy to understand, easy to explain and so on. So um, don't aim for like perfection um, mm -hmm. I would say. Um, and the other thing is don't hold on to your ideas too dearly and like try to protect them and, and so on. Chances are mm -hmm. someone else had the same idea and, mm -hmm. uh, or not someone else, like many others, hundreds, potentially mm -hmm. thousands. And, <laughs> um, and uh, the, the sooner sort of you hit the road uh, and like connect with the potential um, um, users, potential people who are going to use it is uh, the better, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, those, those are the, I think that, that, that was helpful. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, we've, uh, we've come to an hour and um, it's been, uh, yeah, it's been a really cool discussion. Um, I pretty much came into the, in, in, into our discussion um, just really knowing kind of high level about uh, about the product and the background, and so pretty much everything that we've talked about has been learning for me. So um, hopefully the people out there sure. have um, have really got uh, some some really interesting insights and, um, um, and and maybe some inspiration out of it as well. So um, and actually we should just uh, recap as well for everyone listening. Um, what are your, uh, what's your website? What's your social um, address? Mm -hmm. So our website is volumental.com. That's like volume and then mental, <laughs> uh, volumental. 
Com, and uh, you can actually see this whole like process how it works in the store and so on um, uh, on our website as well like straight on uh, you don't have to click anything or anything like that um, and the social media is the same account so it's the same name um, you can find us on Twitter on Instagram um, and we as I mentioned we, we are around like 2,000 stores around the world we're in New Balances we're in like in the North America, we're in Fleet Feet and uh, a few others. Um, and um, you can always like drop by. It's no, it's there's no cost to get 3D scanned. You can always get 3D scanned and get your scan in your email and kind of like um, check it out and and uh, learn from it. And if you run into any any issue or like any questions, any anything at all, just feel free to like drop drop me a line. I'm like, I'm always super happy to connect with people and, um, and learn from people, learn from my users. Okay, so thanks, huge thanks to Alpa for joining us for the last hour and um, sharing with us um, a lot of insight and being really kind of open and candid and um, and even to, uh, you know re reminding us of the idea that when this shutdown is finished, that people can go to stores and they can get free. Uh, assessment they can get free data on their foot shape uh, in stores using the volumental device and um, and hopefully uh, benefit out of that with better shoe fitting or even taking it to a clinician which I think is fantastic um, as you mentioned you can check out volumental.com and the uh, associated um, uh, social pages as well and I just want to throw in at this point as well um, a quick side note, we've just uh, added a new package to the Run Physics RunScribe partnership. Uh, I know some of our listeners use RunScribe technology to measure their gait. And in the spirit of um, this theme of technology in this particular episode, um, we've just, in our partnership, uh, inst instead of uh, where before we had uh, foot pods that were retailing at 399 now for 399 if you go to runphysics.com you can buy yourself a pair of foot pods but you can also get uh, a gait analysis thrown in with that as well and um, we understand that you know times have changed and getting to a clinic um you know face to face is is very difficult if not impossible at the moment so um uh, the idea is we're tr trying to help as many people remotely as possible and um and so we've just brought out this package and the idea is you can get your pods but you can get an analysis as well and understand uh, a bit about your data um, uh, with a bit of hopefully let's call it expert support so i just wanted to throw that in there um, if you do want to hear any of the episodes that have um, uh, come out recently we are churning them out a little bit quicker right now so it can be helpful to get to the website or the social pages and see what we've got posted up um, we've got a few more in the pipeline so that's again artsciencerun.com and the same uh, social handle as well. But thanks a lot for listening. Really appreciate uh, everybody following the podcast and listening in and um, look forward to sharing more content with you in a future episode.
Where I'm going, I'm going for a walk.